They spoke to her faintly, in a language she didn't understand. The words giving her migraines that felt like dead fingers rooting around in her brain. The Forgotten Island by David Sodergren. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Devin. And today we're getting a little more feral, looking at the bestial side of horror when we discuss creature horror. This episode of Books in the Freezer is brought to you by Audible. This podcast wouldn't be possible without audiobooks. So if you want some spooky stories told by some familiar voices, try Stephen King's Pet Cemetery, read by Dexter's Michael C. Hall, or The Dead Zone, read by James Franco, or podcast favorite, Joe Hill's Nosferatu, read by Kate Mulgrew. For a free audiobook and 30-day trial, go to audibletrial.com slash booksinthefreezer. Happy listening. Yeah, if you guys can't tell, I am getting over a cold, as I'm sure you can hear. <laughs> if this is you getting over the cold i would hate to have listened to you during the cold you sound like a creature <laughs> so it's very fitting for the episode oh like a nasal congestion creature very <laughs> spooky <laughs> yeah so we've talked about doing creature horror before and i know it's a subgenre that you really like Devin. yes i think i say this about a lot of subgenres that's i think one of the core foundations of horror like if you think about the the biggest horror franchises horror icons that you have you have werewolves uh vampires stuff like this and all of them can be used in a creature setting most horror stories will fit within this genre i would say really i guess i've just always thought of like werewolf and vampire as like very much their own genre but i guess like technically they would be under the umbrella of creature yeah, because before werewolf was just a popular term in and of itself, a werewolf was just a monstrous creature that would eviscerate people. Um, vampires were creatures that stalked the night and preyed upon vulnerable people. A creature is a very broad term that can encapsulate most of the genres of horror. This, I think, more than any other genre we covered, can have more overlap with other episodes that you and Rachel have done or you and I have done um, in terms of stories that will fit into this category that we use for others like like the ocean and underwater horror episode that you guys did oh yeah like into the drowning deep yeah exactly like that so that means that one of my favorite horror books ever is technically a creature horror book um yeah no that's true and like again with sea horror uh any like the loch ness monster that's that's a creature you can have a great horror story with that even as recent as our last episode with sci-fi horror uh we talked about movies and such like aliens and the thing and stuff like this uh, mary shelley's frankenstein all of these technically are creature stories so all this stuff really goes back and harkens back to creature horror so that makes sense well that that leads to something i was gonna ask you is like is the term creature something we just use as kind of a catch-all for 
a non-human antagonist so it's not necessarily an animal or like relating to an animal like it's not necessarily like a wolf or a dog or something like that like it could be like you said an alien i think the term itself has its own definition subjectively with the person that you're speaking to um but in general i think I don't even think saying a non-human antagonist fits because there are people who will count creature as human beings that are just feral in nature. It's a really, it's a broad term that it's hard to really define, but... So, like, I was going to say, would the thing from Jeepers Creepers be considered a creature? I would consider Jeepers Creepers to be a creature horror story because the creeper itself is this single menacing monster that's not recognizably human the way it behaves the way it operates the way it exists um its lifespan um the way it it feeds the way it survives all this stuff is completely different and unique to it itself and so different from human beings that definitely that would be a creature film so i've mentioned a few times creature horror is something i don't think i enjoy but then like when I really start digging into things I like, I do enjoy parts of it. Sometimes I think I have a hard time getting into a story when it's people running away from like a monster, if that makes sense. Like it kind of takes me out of the realism of it. Also, I would say if like the way the monster is described to me is just like too crazy and I have a hard time even imagining it. I think takes me out of it a bit. But one thing that I noticed that I really did enjoy in the books that I am recommending is the way that they're set up is that they're definitely horror. There is, uh, especially when you don't know what the creature is until the end or you don't see it, there is so much dread that gets built up, like in the first two thirds of the book. You could take three quarters of a book and never actually feature the creature at all yeah and spend all that time building 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 until that payoff in the end what i think the strength of the creature horror i guess genre or subgenre is the versatility that it has because you have uh, selected stories that are, are definitively horror my selection are not so much i'm going to give a bit of a spoiler but i'm pretty sure i will say both my selections are room temperature because they're not they they are horror they fit within the genre of horror but they're more actiony than than probably scary okay but my approach to it was to show the versatility of creature horror because both of mine essentially use the same kind of creature but if you read both of the books then you can see the dichotomy between how an author can take a single creature and tell the story different ways oh definitely i i have that within my picks too there was Books that I had read that did feature creatures. Wow. Creature feature. Yeah, that were creature features. But I felt like that aspect of it was a spoiler. Like it, it's not something that the book outright said. So it's something I wanted the reader to discover for themselves. So with my picks, I had to go with stuff that I think was more obviously a creature story. Was that an issue you had at all? I didn't have that issue, but I know the kind of stories you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's a type of story where most of it is playing with the fear of the unknown that we talked about before. And it's just the payoff for that fear is the reveal of, of a creature behind it all along. Yes. One that does this, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say, is It. You spend most of the book of It thinking about Pennywise as this kind of entity that doesn't really have a true form or anything, but just this 
essence of evil that's tormenting these children. And when it comes down, when the kids confront them, you, you see that it has a physical form. It has an origin. Even It by Stephen King, even though it is one of these stories of the, of creatures using your fears against you and playing with you psychologically, it still counts as a creature horror because of the entity itself that's causing it. Speaking of It, did you see the new trailer drop today for part two? You mean uh, like last week? No, it dropped today. Or did it drop on the 9th of May? It dropped, sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> listeners, it dropped last week. Yeah, it came out last Thursday. Yeah, it came out on May 9th, <laughs> which is today. Uh, no, actually, I have, I have not watched it yet. I didn't know it dropped. How is it? It looks really good. Um, they dropped in the scene where adult Beverly goes back to Derry and she goes back to visit like where she used to live and it's like the old lady that invites her in do you remember the scene i'm talking yes, about yes, yes oh my gosh they did such a good job like it's so creepy i will totally go watch that when we're done recording this so speaking of movies ooh, let's talk about some movies that are technically creature horror film is a very good uh medium for for dabbling into creature horror um it's very visually stimulating um and again, as I said, with when it comes to novels, a lot of the the big, big, big horror movies that immediately come to mind when you think of horror, even if you're not a fan of horror, fall within the realm of creature horror. Um, top of the list would be Peter Benchley's Jaws. That's one of the first like horror movies people think of when they think of like mid '80s big blockbuster horror movies. Cujo. Cujo. Yep. Um, I talked about it in the sci-fi episode, but Critters. That was a staple of my childhood and an amazing horror movie for its humor and its and its horror. We got a lot of crossovers from our sci-fi horror episode. Pretty much, because that's that's where a lot of the sci-fi horror strength is in these alien life forms that mm-hmm. are well, basically ripping us apart. Um, but they qualify as creatures, like as I already mentioned, Alien and the Thing, um, Predator. All these would be creature horror. And have you seen Cloverfield? No. Cloverfield is a kaiju movie, which means giant monster destroying city like Godzilla. Um, however, it's a found footage movie, and the people that are trying to survive this giant creature destroying the city are navigating through like subways and sp- city streets, and there's a bunch of these little creatures that fall off of the bigger creature. So it becomes a really fast-paced, intense creature horror film as well. Um, and I will say one of the best horror movies that came out in 2015 across the board, It Follows. I love It Follows. That's crazy because I would not even think to categorize it as a creature horror movie, but you're right. You don't know what the creature looks like. That's true, but it is an and it is a physical creature that is constantly, constantly stalking its prey, always walking towards it, never stopping. Um, it's not a ghost or an illusion because in when like other characters interact with it, they physically get hit by it. Um, and I think that's where I got sold on this movie. Was it's midway through, um, the creature is. F- going after the main character and the other people around see it happening see your hair come up oh, so they they're like, at the beach yeah. exactly they swing a chair and the chair strikes something so there is something physically there it's invisible to everybody but the person that's talking <laughs> but it is a tangible being in the, occupying that space so yeah this is a very brutal creature but it is also a creature 
Um, and also the Babadook. The Babadook? Yeah. I can't remember that being a creature. Well, I, I guess, yeah. Yeah. I, I'll tell right now, I didn't think about the Babadook. But yeah. yeah. Again, that's another one that's kind of, it's played up as if, you know, it may or may not be. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But then... It's clearly an actual creature. And then aside from Jaws, which started the you know the giant shark crane, you have Lake Placid, the giant crocodile. I was going to say a giant crocodile. You have Orca, which was actually a giant killer whale. Basically the same as Jaws, but it was a killer whale. Um, Piranha. Jinx. <laughs> there you go. Piranha, Piranha 2, Piranha 3D. Of course. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> we could literally fill up a whole episode of us just like thinking of them. Yeah. It's just 40 minutes of us going, well, yeah, that too. <laughs> because I, I don't have actual stats, but I, I would venture just an offhanded guess, probably at 65-ish to 70% of horror in some loose way can be classified as creature horror in some way. Interesting. I'm going to say 40%. Well, there's not very many genres that doesn't have an antagonist that would fit into creature horror. We don't consider ghost creatures. So I'm going to say cause there's ghosts, like demonic possession, and then like all human killers. But but, but it's, a, it's a big selection of horror. Yeah, for sure. All right, should we talk about some books now? Sounds like a good idea. Well, the first book I want to talk about is The Forgotten Island by David Sodergren. And... This was such a fun book. This is about uh, two sisters, Anna and Rachel. They're estranged. But they go on holiday together to Thailand. Uh, unfortunately, Rachel brings her douchebag boyfriend, Paul, which already kind of like drags things down. But you know what? Anna is determined to have fun. They decide to go to something called a full moon party. And at this full moon party... They get the idea to go to an island that no one knows about. It's not even on any maps, which I'm going to say all the red flags right there. I feel like in a friend group, I'm like the wet rag. That's like, no, we can't do that. That is not safe. We should not do this, guys. Guys, guys, this is not a good idea. You know, that means you're the first, you're most likely the first to die if you are actually in a horror movie then, right? Exactly. I know this about <laughs> myself. I know I'm the person that's like, guys, like, I don't, I don't think we should go in there, guys. I don't, I don't have a good feeling about this. <laughs> so in these books, I'm always like, why are you doing this thing? This is obviously a bad idea. So they go to this island that for some reason is not on any map and it's like super private. Maybe because it's hiding something sinister on the island is not something that they thought about. Of course. They never do. Of course. But oh my gosh, this had a little bit of slasher vibes because it's a big group of like young people and you know the majority of them are just fodder for the slaughter at this point. And some of them are so obnoxious that you are actively cheering for their deaths. Fodder for the slaughter. I like that. That was part of what I loved about this book was the character work. I loved the dialogue. I really loved the relationship between the sisters. They are estranged. They are getting over some issues that they have. But even the way that they interact, it felt like a very um, real sister relationship. Like they had inside jokes and the way they would look at each other. Like when people said things, the whole thing when you figure out what's on the island and what the creature is, everything just like ramps up to 10. It just goes bonkers, bananas, bloody crazy. And it was so fun. So yeah, I would put this in the fridge um, just because there is 
quite a bit of bloodshed on it, even though I would say it was a book that I had like a lot of fun with. I still thought there was moments of dread. Um, and I thought it had a great ending. So that is The Forgotten Island by David Sodergren. So my first pick this week is going to be a book by a gentleman that will be mentioned again in this episode. And I think he's actually probably one of the most common names you're going to see if you just look up creature horror. Most of his stories seem to somehow revolve around this. So I went with a shorter offering of his. Uh, This is Swamp Monster Massacre, and that is by Hunter Shea. If you're familiar with the movie From Dusk Till Dawn, it's very similar in that premise. I love From Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah, well, take the vampires out and the strip club. So, like, the first half? Yeah, take the first half. (laughs) Shorten it a little bit. Okay. Um, And in the second half, instead of the strip club and the vampires, have a swamp with skunk apes. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... (laughs) For those not familiar with From Dust Till Dawn, Swamp Monster Massacre has uh, basically this group of criminals and they have these kind of tourists um, more or less hostage as they are fleeing uh, fleeing authorities. Okay. And they're fleeing through this swamp in the Everglades. Through some unfortunate circumstances, they end up killing a infant skunk ape. A skunk ape is something you may know more um, affluently as Bigfoot. Um, the reason they're called skunk apes is because, well, they're in the swamp, uh, it's because of the smell and they resemble large apes, but skunk ape is, is another term for, for a Bigfoot basically. So needless to say, it ends up being a case of the, the criminals and the tourists, of uh, kind of trying to find a way to survive and get through and get out while they're being attacked by these, these, these creatures. It's... Very well written in the sense of, I think Hunter Shea has a very good reputation for creature horror, and it does show in this. It's also a very short offering. I listened to the audiobook, which is a little over three hours long. So a main reason why I went with this one, um, as opposed to one of his other selections, is I think this is a good introduction to it. So I've all, I always like taking books in the freezer as a way to kind of like educate and push people into these genres and i think this is a good way to enter it um it may not be you know the best creature horror book ever written but it's a really good sampling of what you can expect in the genre and it's not a huge time commitment the characters not the most likable of the bunch um even the innocents are not really all that likable but that's the kind of thing you expect within the genre and the way that hunter has these skunk apes actually um portrayed and behaving and you can see they're not just mindless creatures but kind of apex predators i wouldn't say it's the scariest story um you'll ever read because you do have the criminals they do have firearms um there's a bit of action to it but he does have these very good moments of gore very good moments of holy crap what's happening and like i said i think it's a really good introduction to the genre um so in terms of temperature i would say it's a room temperature read unless you know being lost in a swamp with horrendous creatures trying to come after you something that you're really afraid of um it's probably not going to scare you but it's going to like i said give you the taste for what you can expect when reading this kind of story and that was 
Swamp Monster Massacre by Hunter Shea. Skunk apes. Skunk apes. Wow. Yes. That... <laughs> I mean, I was a little saddened that it's not like a Peppy Le Pew, Mighty Cho Young, like love child or something. <laughs> <laughs> so have um, have you read any Hunter Shea? I was going to say, next book by an author so nice. We had to mention him twice. Yes, actually, I read Creature by Hunter Shea last year. And that is my next pick. Uh, but yeah, as my other book was lighthearted, I will say this one, not so much. Uh, this follows Kate and Andrew Woodson, who just really need a break. Kate has uh, a few chronic illnesses and she's always, um, Kate has chronic pain from a few different autoimmune diseases that make her life a little difficult at times. So Andrew surprises her with a dream getaway for a few weeks in a secluded cottage in Maine, which is her dream. So they go up there, they get settled. I mean, as you can probably guess, nothing could go wrong, right? They start hearing scratching and banging outside their cottage and some dead animals are left outside their cottage and they will eventually learn that they are trapped inside there and there is something outside maybe hunting them Uh, so what I loved about this is that this was a great character story which is like of course why I liked it it was obviously a big focus on Kate and Andrew and their relationship and the um, relationship between a married couple dealing with um a spouse who needs constant medical attention. And this is actually very personal to Hunter Shea because in the afterward, he writes about how he had to be a caregiver for his wife during times where she was bedridden for, I think, over a year. So he said there was a lot of himself and he and his wife's relationship with the story. And I think you could feel it felt very lived in. And it had just a very specific dynamic. And I think when you read books where you know it's a personal story with the author, they bring up things that you wouldn't normally think about. Like the reality of this life is like, this is what this looks like for us. And I felt like there was a lot of that. Like this is a a very well fleshed out story of this couple who were put in this situation dealing with this supernatural crisis. But of course, it does have the creature aspect where they are hunted and they don't know what to do. I think at one point in the story, they do have friends that come up to visit them and things get crazy and things start amping up. There is a a bit of bloodshed in this. I will also put this one in the fridge because one, it is very emotional and two, people die. There's a a bit of bloodshed, a, a bit of a ripping of limbs, I will say. So because of that, putting it in the fridge. So that is Creature by Hunter Shea. So my next pick is a book that is published by one of my favorite presses, Severed Press. Um, it is by Dave Jeffrey. It is by Dave Jeffrey, and it is called Frostbite. Frostbite is the story of Grant Hastings. He is a retired leader of a special ops team who gets approached by a scientist who is looking for help in recovering his son who has gone missing in the Himalayas. In case you can't tell by the setup, 
This is another story involving Bigfoot. Skunk Ape, Yeti, Abominable Snowman, all these things are, are, are basically just other names for Bigfoot. And that's what the creature would be in this particular story as well. So this is the story of Hastings uh, getting his team back together for basically you know one last hurrah, one big payout, one final mission. Not quite believing in the danger involved other than the environmental ones the reason why i picked this story like i alluded to earlier is to show the differences an author can take a similar creature and tell a different story with it swamp monster massacre and frostbite both are bigfoot stories but it's i think if reading them both you can see the versatility in the genre in how the story is told between the two it's not just a matter of setting, it's a matter of behavior for the creatures, intelligence of the creatures, um, the twists and turns that the stories take in the end. Jeffrey's yetis are much different than, than Shay's skunk apes. And both of these titles are not very long. I feel it's a very digestible way to look at the way these things get presented in fiction. I don't think it's overly scary per se, I do find the characters in this far more likable than Swamp Monster Massacre. And it dabbles into the realm of, you know, what makes a monster a monster, what makes a beast a beast. It's certainly one of these stories that has the underlying theme of, you know, who are the real monsters, which you'll find a lot within the genre. All in all, it's not a story that you're probably going to reminisce on and keep thinking about 10 years from now. But as far as an enjoyable, entertaining romp through a frozen mountaintop, it's it's a quite fun read. Temperature rating, I as I said earlier, uh, it's definitely a room temperature, at least for me. Um, I can't imagine this being an overly scary story for anybody because we're talking about marines with weaponry um there's a lot of more action and tactics than there is of actual scares however it's not completely a void of unnerving moments like the 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 yetis involved are pretty intimidating creatures to say the least in that position it probably was horrifying for the characters but you know reading it if it reads more like an action flick it's still definitely worth a read and like i said if you're like me and read more for varying experiences and such um i think reading the both of them together would be a very interesting kind of um, exercise to just compare and contrast how basically the same creature was presented in completely different ways so that was Frostbite by Dave Jeffrey. So my next pick is Halloween Fiend by C.V. Hunt. This is a novella, 102 pages from Grindhouse Press. I think this just came out in February. Um, and this is very different from my first two picks. My first two picks were, of course, full-length novels where you have people going into a situation where there is a creature and there is build up I think before you see the creature uh and this I mean first of all it only has like 100 pages to work with so this you know right up front what is happening uh but this takes place in a in a town called Strang that is haunted by a creature called Halloween and the townspeople that live in this town have to go to to some lengths to appease this beast that haunts them every night and speaks in Halloween rhymes um, what I really liked about the story is that it had little bits of Shirley Jackson's The Lottery um, 
and a little bit of a dark harvest. I, of course, loved this because I am always here for oppressive small towns that are harboring secrets. And like the secrets are so big that they can't have like contact with other people. And like the secret itself like changes the way people within the town have to live their life. Um, So this was so much fun. I would definitely suggest it for a seasonal read around Halloween. Uh, I will say it's room temperature, but there is a sense of dread and it gets creepy when the Halloween creature goes, you know, quote unquote, trick or treating through the neighborhood at night. Very fun, very enjoyable. You would never thought Halloween rhymes could be so just creepy. So that is Halloween Feed by C.V. Hunt. My chilling obsession from this week. It's Shudder. Yep, it is. (laughs) Welcome back, Uh, Shudder. Yeah, welcome back, Shudder. Do we get our sponsorship now? (laughs) So my chilling obsession is The House of the Devil. Um, came out in 2009, directed by Ty West. I did watch this because of Joe Bob's drive-in. And if you don't know, um, Joe Bob Briggs has a show on Shudder. It's live every Friday night and it's a double feature. Um, And this was one of the picks, I think, a few weeks ago, especially if you're listening at this point, it was a few weeks ago. Um, But this is a period piece. It's set in the 80s. Uh, during satanic panic and really around the theme of satanic panic. This is about a college student who takes a babysitting job during a lunar eclipse that just keeps getting stranger and stranger and obviously creepier and more sinister. What I loved about this was the buildup in the story. I will say this is some a movie I don't see being for everyone. If you are someone that complained about Hereditary or The Witch being too slow, I'm going to go ahead and say, probably skip this one. (laughs) This one is, uh, it takes a while for things to get going. It's one of those where like everything happens in the last act and like the first hour or so is is built up for that. So if that's not your kind of horror, uh, you're probably not going to like this. But if you're like me and you're all about atmosphere in horror and a buildup like that, I think you'll really enjoy this one. Also loved that Greta Gerwig played her best friend Megan, who would then go on to direct Academy Award nominated Lady Bird, which is one of my favorite movies. Oh. So good job, Greta Gerwig. Uh, so I would recommend it if you did like Hereditary or The Witch. So I will say the first half is room temperature, like I said, because it is a lot of building. But I will say second half, fridge for sure. So that is The House of the Devil. My chilling obsession for this week is keeping in line with creature horror. And it's a movie series that I excluded from the discussion because I wanted to talk about it here. Um, a lot of you may have actually heard of it, but because a recent sequel came out that I didn't know about until now, I want to talk about it. And that is the Tremors franchise. Tremors is a movie that came out back in 1990. Um, it has Fred Ward and a fairly young Kevin Bacon as the main characters. It's these Precambrian creatures. They live under they're giant worms. Basically, they have no eyes. Um, they all everything to do is based on sound. So they giant underground creatures that have these weird snake-like tongues that grab people. And pull them underground and devour them. 
Um, at least that's how it started. <laughs> the series has gone through so many changes since since its inception um, that it's kind of almost a parody now. But the original film, if you just watch it as a standalone, is a, still a great horror movie that stands up. Uh, the creatures are incredibly intimidating, and if, if maybe you're a little easy to scare, um, this movie could actually make you pretty terrified to just walk on the ground. Um, um, there's decent amount of laughs in it. There has been four sequels to this movie, um, each time advancing the evolution of these creatures. In the second movie, um, they burst out and they have these tiny little creatures that come out of them that see based on body heat. Um, and in the third one, they have these ones that fly. So, like, it gets a little ridiculous. Yeah, uh, apparently there was Tremors 5 that came out in 2015 and, and another one that came out last year called Tremors a Cold Day in Hell. Not to mention there was a television show that was short-lived. So this is a pretty long, long-standing series. And yeah, it's one of my favorite horror movies as a kid, right up there with Critters. And I am happy that I have an excuse to talk about it now on this podcast. So if you haven't seen it, if you have not heard of this, is this the, if this is the first time you are hearing about a movie called Tremors starring Kevin Bacon, then I would recommend watching it. Because it is horror classic. Uh, temperature rating. The first one. I will probably say it's in the fridge. Um, even though there's moments of humor. They do take the creatures really seriously. And the creatures are are terrifying. And some of the death scenes. And some of the, the bodies they find. Um, are actually pretty horrific. So it's, it's really well done in that sense. Um, and the further you go into the series. The warmer it gets. Uh, the more ridiculous it gets. There's even one prequel that takes place during the frontier times. Um, <laughs> it gets a little ridiculous, but it is a, it's it's a great cult horror series um, for anybody interested in that kind of thing. So that was the Tremors franchise. All right. So this week we have uh, the unveiling of an of a new section of the episodes uh, in which we talk about some upcoming releases uh this could be upcoming novels um upcoming potential chilling obsessions uh just things in the horror world in general that you know you guys may be interested in and may look forward to so what do we have uh what do we have this week i have three books that have come out recently that i am definitely going to check out So the first one is by Cameron Rubik, who is a podcast favorite author of Kill River, Kill River 2, Disco Death Trap. And he has just come out with a new book, Golf Curse, which is a slasher story that takes place at a golf course. So I will definitely be checking that one out. Um, I have Kill River 2 on my like TBR for this month, so... When I'm done with that, I will be checking this out. Um, Keelan Patrick Berg also released a brand new short story collection called We Live Inside Your Eyes that I'm really excited to check out. The cover for it looks really good, really creepy. Um, and author that I just mentioned earlier, David Sodergren, just released a new book called Night Shoot, and that just came out. And that's about student filmmakers that break into a, a like abandoned mansion for an unauthorized night shoot, and uh, things start to go awry. 
As as it does, yeah. Yeah. It says it's a delirious homage to slasher movies of the 1980s. So Sold. Yep. <laughs> so definitely check that out. That is Night Shoot by David Sodergren. And of course, for the Books in the Freezer book club, we are... For the month of May, we are reading The Family Plot by Cherry Priest. And you can join in on the chat on the Goodreads group. The discussion is broken down into chapter sections. Um, you, <coughs> anybody can join in the Goodreads group and join in on the chat. But we do have a um, special Patreon live stream the last Sunday of the month to talk about the book exclusively for our Patreon supporters. You don't have to be participating within the book club itself to pop over to our Goodreads section. It's an open forum for any any listener of the podcast would like to just chat about novels, you know, give your uh, read-alikes, recommendations of yourself, talk with the community. Uh, general, generally friendly place for all to hang out. Come hang out with us on Goodreads. You know me sound so enthused when you say that. <laughs> I am. I'm like smiling when I say it. <laughs> Come hang out with us on Goodreads. <laughs> um, anyway, Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod or on Instagram at Books in the Freezer. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash books in the freezer. You can send us an email at books in the freezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes will be at books in the freezer.com. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya or on Instagram at that's what she read. That's that's with two A's or on YouTube at that's what she read. And I'm Devin. You can find me on Twitter at Insomni Reads. And you can also find me on Twitch uh, by searching Indie Insomniac. So join us next time for Books in the Freezer. Mm-hmm.